Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing Dutch Sheets' book, intercessory prayer. Now, last week we were talking about Romans 8 and the Holy Spirit interceding for us. Before we jump into today's episode, you just want to give us a quick review of that? Yes, we were talking about the three times Romans 8 groanings are spoken of. Okay. The creation groans, which tells us we live in a fallen world. This isn't the ultimate thing that God has. The next one is that we groan. Okay. Because we're sinners and we're lost. And then it says the Holy Spirit groans. Okay. So now as we get further into this chapter, he is going to make the claim that this is the Holy Spirit praying through us. So just to give us a foundation here, when Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit interceding in groanings too deep for words, what does Paul mean? For one thing, they're not actual words. Okay. We're words. We know what it is. So we yes. don't know exactly. But we do know it's for us. It's on our behalf. Okay. And theologians that have, you know, looked at this, and I've read many of them, there are different opinions about what that is, other than we do know it's the Holy Spirit who indwells the believer, praying for us. Okay. And so it's not in words that we know. Yes. It's too deep for words. But it's nevertheless valid intercession by God the Spirit, who indwells us, interceding for us. And as we've said before, you look up that word intercede, it isn't used in the New Testament for us interceding. Right. It's possible you could apply it that way, but his whole book is based on that. Yes. But it's never really used that way. It's used for God interceding for us or the, Jesus interceding for us, the Holy Spirit interceding. Okay. And so the the worldview that we're gaining, or the theology that we learned from the sheets, is that we need to get revelations, which obviously are meaningful concepts. All of his illustrations are things that he learned by getting revelations or whatever it is he wants to call them. So now he knows what to intercede for through the power of the Spirit. Right. So illustration after illustration, there's a revelation of something that's supposed to happen. It's cognitive. He knows what it is. He can express it in words, and he intercedes or we're supposed to learn how to do that. And the Holy Spirit is helping us. Okay. It's called the helper. But this Romans 8 is saying the Holy Spirit is doing the interceding. Yes. And now in these groanings too deep for words, he makes the claim. And I'm actually going to just quote him on this because he makes a claim and then backs off from it a bit. Okay. So just, just to see what he says here, this is page 111. 
I don't believe the intercession of the Holy Spirit spoken of in these verses refers only to tongues. However, most of us in Pentecostal and charismatic circles believe it has to include the gift, which we believe allows the Holy Spirit to literally pray through us. It is not my intention in this book to prove this, nor am I implying that those who do not practice this are second rate in their praying. Then he goes on to say, if you do not pray in this way, it is my strong desire not to offend you. I have great love and respect for my non-charismatic brothers and sisters in Christ. Yet it is impossible for me to share what I believe the Lord has taught me concerning this passage without referring to praying in tongues, or as the scriptures also word it, praying in the spirit. Now, so there's a couple of things there. On the one hand, he's saying, if we don't pray this way, we aren't second rate in our prayer life. Yet he's written an entire book basically saying that. And the other aspect that we need to at least touch upon again is this idea that praying in tongues is praying in the spirit. Now, we've mentioned that in past episodes, but can you just kind of refresh our minds about what praying in the spirit actually is? He is expounding Romans 8, uh, 26, 27, 28. Okay. So I think that's where we need to look. Yes. Now, if we were in 1 Corinthians and studying what it says there in chapter 12 and in chapter 14, or in Acts, there's plenty that we can say about that and talk about it. But that's not what's on the table here in his book right now. And he brings up tongues, but there's nothing in Romans 8 that mentions tongues. Right. And Nor, that's very important. Right. So I think that's a bunny trail. Okay. So I appreciate him being charitable toward people who aren't Pentecostal charismatic. But that's not the point of Romans 8 anyhow. Yes. So... It's a sidetrack. So people's mind goes there because let's go back and just read what we're talking about. Okay. So we're talking about the groaning, slavery of corruption, and then looking for the freedom of the glory of the children of God, Romans 8.21. The whole creation groans. We talked about that last time. Pains of childbirth. Well, we didn't mention that. What's getting lost in this? Whether somebody speaks in tongues or prays in a language that's their own language and they know what they're praying, or there's this inner groaning, however you interpret that here, what's lost in this whole discussion is what is the intent? What is it we want to see happen that God wants to see happen that Romans 8 is all about? Okay. That's the context. Yes. Bunny trail about tongues is putting our mind way off where Paul is not in Romans 8. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So, because we quoted this, verse 28 has the word and, okay, page 111 here. And he, his claim is, in other words, all things don't work together for good in the lives of Christians unless certain conditions are met. Okay. That's the key issue. Right. And that idea 
I strongly disagree with. Okay. I fervently disagree with it. Yes. And the condition that needs to be met is that we abide in Christ and don't apostatize. Right. Okay. And we don't we're not Judas. I believe God will keep us. Okay. And so the question is, you look at the all things and the we and the us, and in the context, this is talking about the ultimate glorification of God's people. Yes. Now, going off whether praying in tongues is going to accomplish that or not, I don't think that's the point, either in Acts or in First Corinthians or in Romans 8, because Romans 8 doesn't mention tongues. This, there's a frustrating thing about this. Um, it's it's so mushy. Okay. The way he interprets it. And I don't know how you can do a study on Romans 8, which is given to us to comfort us, to assure us that God will take care of us. He will bring us to glory. We are safe. We will be conformed to the image of Christ. We are safe from the demons and the, the, the distresses of the world, the groanings, the things that happen to everyone in a fallen world aren't going to keep us from the love of God. And, our, and it's not going to keep God from working in our lives. And when you get into these books and this um, New Apostolic Reformation approach that we need to get special information beyond Scripture and have some kind of power or these things won't work out the way we want. Okay. That is not the point. So the thing that really will help our listeners and those that you, as you watch here on YouTube, here's what will help you. We need to know what the scripture is telling us in the context in which it's taken. And when it's giving us assurance and hope and promises, don't allow these pious people who claim to have a better insight to take your mind away from the promises of God, take your mind away from the hope, take your mind away from the powerful work of God by his spirit in us, bringing us to glory and back on ourselves. Right. Okay. And that's the whole thing I object to. Okay. It, they, these do not uh, work together for good in the lives of Christians. Okay. So we're assuming we're talking about Christians. Right. Born of God. Okay. Unless certain conditions are met. Then he says all things can work together. They can, but they might not. And then there's disclaimers. We're trying to be nice to everybody. Right. No matter how many disclaimers and being nice about this, and I don't ever want to judge anyone's motives, I trust the Dutch sheets sincerely believes that this is what Romans 8 is saying and that what he's teaching is going to be helpful. Yes. I strongly disagree with the notion that Romans 8 is suggesting this can uh, work together for our good and so on if we play our part. Right. Okay. Now, why am I disagreeing so strongly? Well, based on the context. Okay. 
as having been in the ministry for 50 years and talked to many people who struggle with assurance and hope, many people who are wondering if they did something really bad and maybe it's not going to get better and maybe God can't use me and so on. If you look at the context and go back to the end of Romans 7, where Paul gives his wretched man speech. Okay. The subjective, what's inside of us, what we think, how we feel, that's the subjective. Yes. So the end of Romans 7 is the subjective. Okay. Wretched that I am will deliver me. The thing I would do, I do not do, and so on. Yes. Romans 8 goes to the answer. Okay. The answer is the objective promises of God, what he has done, what he is doing, what he will do to bring us to glory. Okay. The subjective only comes up a couple of times in Romans 8. Yes. And we may have talked about this, but it wouldn't hurt to do it again. Okay. Uh, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than a heart and knows all things. Right. So how do you get the answer? If your heart condemns you, you need to get a special word from God by personal revelation so that you can help the Holy Spirit pray for you by adding this special revelation about what is happening in the momentary situation to get it better so things will work out. Right. According to Dutch sheets. Or, well, I don't think that's a misreading of what he's saying. No. And as he goes on, we get to the bottom of page 111 and into page 112. He, he goes back to feelings. Have you ever felt an inability in your prayer life to produce results? So right. that's feelings, not objective facts and promises from Scripture. Right. And what is, what's this producing results when the topic is being conformed to the image of Christ and assured of future glory? Right. How do, you, how do you judge the results by the uh, changeableness, the vicissitudes? Is that a real word? <laughs> it came to my mind, I think. All right. Change of the things that go crazy in the world we live in, which happens to everyone. Yeah. So what's more comforting? That the God is is promising us future glory, that Christ is interceding for us, according to the book of Hebrews, that and Romans, that the Holy Spirit is interceding within us, and that God will cause all things to work together to the purpose of conforming us to the image of Christ and bringing us to glory. Now, if that's not comforting enough, how are we going to gain better comfort by thinking we didn't do it right and we need to get some special revelation from God to help the Holy Spirit pray for us? Right. Now we're just back into the subjective. If you're struggling, and I've said this to people, if you're struggling and you need the objective promises of God, 
your subjective feelings are not your friend. That right. Will be right back in the Romans seven, wretched man. Yes, and and it's important I think for us to realize that any inability here is ours, not the Holy Spirit's. So helping having us do more doesn't comfort us. Right. But then here he says, still page 111, this passage says that the Holy Spirit wants to help us in our weakness. The word in the Greek is asthenia and means literally without strength or ability. An inability to produce results is the concept communicated by the word. All right. Is he applying that properly? Well, asthenia means weaknesses. Okay. So the issue the weakness is what is it in this particular context and weakness in regard to what and that would apply to what sort of hope that needs for which our weaknesses need to be overcome okay to be accomplished what results are we looking for right so in the word of faith slash sometimes New Apostolic Reformation or what other deeper life, higher life, victorious life, holy life, whatever special movement claims to have a second blessing or a better insight, they're typically wanting to overcome temporal problems. Yep. Okay. My kids are having problems. We can't pay the bills. We have sicknesses. We have issues. We have problems. And they're looking at temporal problems. But the whole point of Romans 8 is that those things cannot derail the eternal hope that we have because God is working to bring us to conformity to the image of Christ. And looking at the testimony of everything from the promises given to Abraham. Yes. Patriarchs, the 400 years in Egypt. Moses, the whole process of there being ultimately the seed of the woman, Messiah, being born, what Joseph went through, if you want to read that part of it. Yeah. Uh, everybody is facing these difficulties, these problems. Right. And the answer has not been getting a special revelation so you know how to make sure the problem goes away. Right. And that's really important because we also need to understand part of what we're learning through this passage is that God is using these trials and these temptations and these sufferings and all the things that we all go through to accomplish our glorification. It's, It's for our good. So we may pray and we may ask to be delivered from a certain trial and we might not be, but that doesn't mean the right results weren't produce because the result might be our further sanctification that 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 god is working in us by allowing us to stay in our in our trial yeah we're to live in light of the promises of god and the certainty of future glory right and i'm not saying this about dutch sheets we just happened to be reading his book because we wanted to do something on prayer and intercession and his is a very well uh popular book that's been selling for a long time. Um, But in other cases, now I was in 
that sort of a movement, as we said. And the point is always ordinary Christians are deficient, and that's why they have their problems. Right. And even if he makes a little disclaimer up here that says, I'm not implying that those who do not practice this are second rate, he is very much implying that. Well, speaking in tongues, but there's many other things. Right. Don't have the revelation that they're healed. Yeah. When they're in fact sick. Those that don't have a revelation that you can speak certain words and believe your words and your words will be actualized. Okay. And that that's out there. Uh, every version of it claims to have some insight that ordinary Christians, and I don't mean people going to church who aren't actually saved. Okay. I'm talking about born again people who are indwelt by the Spirit and are being carried by the Comforter. Title yes. I wrote about Romans 8 in this section of Romans 8 that they're deficient because they're lacking something that the teachers are going to provide for them if they can just get their act together. Okay. People, that is. Yes. They need a revelation. They need a process, a procedure, a meeting to go to, an event to happen, uh, to go to some glory meeting or do something. And it goes on and on. The people that get on that treadmill, and I know this, because I've been around this for a long time. It never gets done. Yes. And in the end, we mentioned this, when they get toward the end of life, I haven't seen any of the people teaching this, going back to E.W. Kenyon or in the Word of Faith thing, or back to Branham or the different NAR that's been around a long time, or they call it something different. They okay. don't let it be 130. No. So at some point, they end up at the end of life. And I've heard this testimony so many times. What did I do wrong? Yes. And I don't want to see more elderly saints that we love and know get to the end of life and they're saying, what did I do wrong? Yep. And that was the fruit of this teaching. Yes. That we were getting in the seventies. And that's one of the reasons, not the only one, the main reason is not biblical, but I don't want to see saints robbed of their assurance because the hotshot preachers, there are many different ones claim to know some secret they don't know. Okay. And they put their hope in it. Yes. But they but it doesn't that's not what the promise is. You can't tell people to believe certain things that are promises if you can't describe what promise is given in the context of what's being taught. Okay. So what promise is given in Romans 8? It, the promise given in Romans 8 is that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that we will be ultimately glorified. There's many objective promises there for us who are in Christ. Yes, and if we look at now we're dealing with 
the uh, this version that that's promoted in this book on intercession of Romans 8, uh, 24, 25, 26, 27, and so forth, 28. If we have a few minutes, let me read some text again. Okay. Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness, that's the Nia, for we do not know how to pray as we should. So what's the answer to not knowing how to pray as we should? Well, the answer is, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us in groanings too deep for words. Yes. What's clear is these are not words they're the, that we know. They're the interceding of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity, who knows all things. Yes. And he knows what we need when we don't. That gives me assurance. The idea that that may work out if we gain something, some revelation or insight or procedure, that doesn't comfort me. Right. Uh, when I was young and all excited about this sort of thing, it did, but I realized that's a false comfort. The comfort is God loves us. We're, it's relational. We said this over and over. God's relationship with us as his sons and daughters is a precious, loving relationship. And he's going to take care of us. And he's not limited by the things we're limited by. Okay. That's the point. Right. Okay. So this is supposed to comfort us, but here it turns around by being misinterpreted and puts people back under more guilt. Okay. You can get it right. Yes. Now look at verse 27. He who searches the hearts, this is God, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So who's interceding for the saints and knows what the mind of the Spirit is? God, the Son, at the right hand. Yes. Father. And God, who, the triune God of the Bible. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Now, the good, we have to find out what he means by that. So let's just keep reading. Okay. It doesn't mean my car suddenly started running when it was having trouble. Yeah. Something more profound, temporal problems. It says for verse 29, for those who before knew he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. There is the ultimate purpose of this. Okay. And I don't think that any of these teachers, including uh, Mr. Sheets, is suggesting that we can fully accomplish conforming ourselves to the image of the son. I don't see him even saying that. Right. But he is suggesting that we have to do our part. And I'd say our part is to have faith in God's promises. Yes. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. For those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. These are aorist in the Greek. And it's given that way because of the certainty that it's done, even though it's not yet seen as done. Okay. It's certain. 
look at verse 31. What shall we say to these things? What shall we say? Shall we say these things can happen, but we have to do our part? Is that what we're supposed to think? Is that Paul's intent with the rhetorical question? No. No. This is very bad exegesis. Whatever else it is, it's poor, poorly done. That's Sheets' version. Okay. And it could work out, but we got to do our part. That's not the point. Look at this. If God is for us, who is against us? That's a rhetorical question. What is the implied answer, and what would it look like? Right. The implied answer is no one is going to be able to thwart this, and he goes through a list. Okay. God is for us. The question would imply who is greater than God, his love, his purposes, his working, is going to be effectively against us to thwart this. Okay. Nothing. Right. And then in case you didn't get it, well, he says more. Well, let me give verse 32 as a teaser, and we'll start next week going through some of this and then showing how making what is a certain promise of God into a contingency that we can thwart if we don't get it right, is putting us right back into bondage and not helping the saints. Okay. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but deliver him up over for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Right. It's not dependent on us. It's what God does in us. Of course he will. Yeah. He gave his own son for us on our behalf, Cooper, which is substitutionary atonement. He cares for us. He died for us. He'll give us all things. And uh, dear ones, believe the promises of God. Don't believe the people who have this claim that if you do your part, you'll get a better outcome and better results because the result is an eternal result, not a temporal one. Yes. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.